Welcome to the Wave District, where I, your host, Chandra M., have real conversations with individuals who are creating their own waves in life by authentically showing up and navigating paths that constantly lead to flow and evolution. Opened up your mind. Can you feel it flowing? Bring your dreams alive. One move starts the motion. From ripples to the ocean. You can find your way. This week's guest is truly a personal favorite. She has chosen to show up in a way that reminds us all that it is possible to honor ourselves while serving others. And with community being a key component of her whole operation, she is constantly giving others the space and platform to shine and stand in their own brilliance. If it takes a village was a person, she would be it. Let's take a deep dive into the conversation, shall we? Hey, everybody. I am Dr. Lakeisha Hallman, Dr. Keith Finley, the founder and CEO of the Village Market ATL. Beyond starting my own company, I am also a passionate educator, education consultant, and a speaker. And every now and then, I do some writing uh, and some guest appearances. But beyond business, I'm family-oriented. I love nature, and I love reading. Awesome. That was beautiful. Um, With like everything going on right now, like how have you been processing? Honestly, with COVID-19 and trying to adjust with uh, every day that's a new normal, it has Mm -hmm. been interesting. Um, It's been really interesting to grapple with that Everything takes so much thought and consideration now. Right. If I'm going into Whole Foods, I have to remember, do you have your mask? Stand six feet away from someone. Wash your vegetables. Um, Don't bring in your boxes in your home from all the things that I've been buying from Amazon Prime. Right. But adjusting, thinking about things that I never really thought about before, I think that has been the something, I guess, the most prevalent for me. And also not being able to just see my friends and family as much as I would normally do. Um, there has been, beyond us all experiencing a pandemic at the same time, nothing that, there's not a living person on this planet that has experienced this before. Right. So COVID-19 is something that we can also, that we're all experiencing. And because of that, with no one having had this experience, there's really no one to provide count, uh, counsel right. of what we should be doing and what we should feel. So I've been making sure I journal so I can tap into my own feelings and how I'm processing this. Mm. But every day I believe I'm processing something new. Every day is not easy, of course. Some days it's like, okay, I'm going to get dressed up to go walk to my living room. Right. Um <laughs> Then go, you know, sit outside for a little bit, ride my bi- my bike, but it has been it has been an adjustment. Right. What what has been what would you say has been like the biggest shift you've had to make? The biggest shift is because most everything I do is in person and with people. Mm-hmm. Normally, my life would look in one month. I I'm on a plane almost every week, mm. going to speak somewhere, going to teach somewhere. And if not having my own events in Atlanta with the Village Market, I'm accustomed to being around people. 
Right. Now, my what I would normally do after I've been around people too much, that's isolate. Every day is isolation. I think that has been the, the biggest adjustment for me is adapting to something that is completely, completely new that I thrive off the energy of speaking and seeing folks and now having to do this virtually has been uh, it's actually okay but it's still different right. than seeing someone in in person the upside of what is different because I was traveling so much I didn't get to spend a lot of time cooking mm-hmm. I'm so happy to be reconnected to my kitchen again that has been so if if anything this has been the coolest part right learning new plant-based recipes um, being excited about that, get, being annoyed with that uh, because you run out of things to cook after a while. But I love being reconnected to thinking about what I'm eating and me cooking it with my own hands every day. Um, so those are that's my one downside is that I miss you know doing what I, what I love and what I do is always in front and with people. Right. And, but the upside is that I can reconnect to some things that I really needed to tune back into anyway, and that's cooking again. Right. Yeah, I think that's cool. I know my my the, the conversations I've been having with other people around the whole thing is like, yes, it's very unfortunate what is going on right now. But me being a person who try to find the silver lining and stuff, it's also making people realize what's important and also it's causing people to kind of like get back to themselves. Oh, absolutely. I if. What I appreciate about COVID is what you just said. Sometimes we we spend so much time moving and doing and being and having to. But we have no idea if we're doing things that truly, genuinely make us happy. If you do a lot of speaking or do a lot of events, you get pulled from one thing to the next. And there's really not a lot of in-between time to decompress, to see if what you're doing really suits your soul. I have been so appreciative to be still. I needed to be still. I was exhausted in Mm -hmm. January and February, and I took a vacation at the end of December hoping that that would give me the downtime that I needed, but it didn't. And I remember one of the prayers that I had, I think it was January 2nd, January the 3rd, I was like, God, I'm still tired. I want to be a good steward of what you have for me to do but I don't know how to make space to take care of myself. Mm. And I'm a huge advocate of self-care. Right. I'm mostly asked to speak about that. And my prayer was in January 2nd or 3rd, it's like, God, I don't even have the capacity to take care of myself well. And then COVID happened. Right. And I, I look at it, at least personally for me, I think God has given me that capacity that I need. And so I've been very mindful that I pray for space. Am I really taking time to heal and take care of myself in this space? I'm not trying to come up with new new business ventures. I'm really trying to get back to riding my bike, to putting my hands in the earth and planning things, Mm -hmm. stuff that I absolutely love and genuinely talking to my friends, not in between meetings. Right. But I'm just talking to them. And that feels so good to laugh and not have to rush the laughs off the phone to hop to another meeting. Um, and, and as far as nature goes in COVID, I've shared with a lot of people that I think Mother Nature has had its say in this process. Right. 
is that so many things was happening to our planet, and nature will always be the most powerful living thing yes. that we all experience. And when it's in balance, we will feel the wrath of it. And I think rather than feeling the wrath of tornado after tornado after tornado, um, nature just sat us all down so she could take care of us. Right. Because, yeah. And and if it, it took a pandemic, uh, but my heart sincerely goes out to those who COVID has ripped their families apart. Right. Um, has made people sick and not only sick but die. I pr- I'm grateful that that hasn't happened in my family and, and with my friends yet, and I pray that it doesn't. So I do have a lot of empathy mm-hmm. where I can tell you that I've had a lot of downtime. I know that for some people this has been emotionally stressful and hard. So I, I as much as I'm grateful for the space and the capacity that my prayers were, were answered, I'm still in this space praying for people that this has been just hard for them and hard for their families. Mm. Yes. I just love how you, I, I love how you represent yourself. And I love the, um, cause I've been like following you on social media, maybe for like, like a year. I mean, I've been to a few events wow. that you've um, been on the panel of in Atlanta. And so I know when I first, um, I forgot which event I was at where I first came across like of who you were and, and you were speaking. And I just remember thinking like, Oh my God, like you're, you know, just so graceful and, I resonated with a lot of stuff you were saying, like just where you was, where you were coming from. And um, I wanted to know, like, do you have any like core philosophies you live by? Yes. And first, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, thank you for seeing me. I don't believe that everyone has the capacity to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so to be seen, I am very appreciative for you, for for your ability to see me in my quirkiness, <laughs> and you call it grace. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, core philosophies, I don't steer away from that we must be good stewards of the space and time that we get to live. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but we must be good stewards of space and time because it's a privilege to live and to be alive. And the gift of life is to birth something new. And if we understand that, that we are here to birth something new, not saying birth a new business, Mm. it could be birthing a whole new vibration of love, opening up a whole new chapter for your family to see each other, to love each other, to commune, to heal I don't steer away from that principle, that we must be good stewards. Um, a second principle that I, I believe in, I, I think that we, 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 must, we, we must hold space with nature. Mm-hmm. That if we don't see the tree, that this tree is literally giving us space so we can breathe better, better. If we don't have the capacity to, to see that, that we're moving so much, that we're so consumed with what we're doing, I think there's a disconnect from nature and that we're supposed to be present with it. And we're supposed to show gratitude for those things that keep us all alive and existing. 
and that personally I feel that we all share a same vein, nature and humans and mm-hmm. animals, same same vein of life, and that we are supposed to cohabitate together and to make space together. So we shouldn't live life separate from right. nature. Uh, that's a core core belief, and I think grace is the most profound offering of God. Mm-hmm. It keeps us in a place that we can forgive folks when they hurt us, because if we can give grace, then we can be receivers of grace. Mm-hmm. It gives us the capacity to not always think the worst of people to know the difference that people have had really bad life situations and sometimes that bleed over on us. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to continue to be bled on. Uh, Yeah, I get up and move real (laughs) quick when I realize something. (laughs) I do. I say, oh, it's time to go. Um, But but the grace is realizing those traumas that until people heal, they're going to keep replicating the same thing, but understand that that is a broken, hurt, punctured body. Mm -hmm that is doing the hurting. And grace is having a space of of when people have done terrible things and would do terrible things, that we hold space and we pray for them. And praying that they don't do whatever they did to me or to you, to anyone mm-hmm. else. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I, I'm so grateful that we get to even have anything like grace. But I it's important that we remember to tap into it right. because our empathy exists there. And if we're not empathetic, we will stay in a, in the space of our privilege, in the space of our judgment. And this light that we talk about, the ability for people to see you, the folks who need to see you won't because you think that you're shining this bright light and that you're this vessel of good but you have a veil of judgment. You have a veil of privilege, mm. and so it disconnects you from people. So I, I think I, I hope I answered. Um, yeah, you, that we have to be good stewards. That we must commune with nature, and that grace is the um, the greatest offering to me of God. Our empathy exists in that mm. space. Yes, I think that it was a lot of gems in that, like. Yeah, <laughs> I love everything about what you just said. Um, and even it, it touched me in a way where um, on my personal journey recently, I've had to step back and just look at, because um, I don't really, I don't call myself a judgmental person or I don't feel that I am judgmental, but I feel that we all kind of do it, whether we're conscious of it or not. And so even if it's coming from a quote unquote good place, because I realized that for me, especially with my loved ones, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe you should do this as if my solution for them is better than the solution they have for themselves. And it's like, well, how dare I assume that what I have to give them is better than what they can give themselves? That's good. And what you said, we've all, we all right. do it. Yeah, we, we all do it. And we would do it sometimes in the space of wanting someone to learn all the things that right. you've learned. right. You want to move people so far ahead because you've seen a different light, and so you want better for them. But I think rather than us urging people to where we are, I'm always prayerful that whatever epiphany that I had, whatever shifted in me, that they get a whiff Mm. of that same shifting. Then we don't have to push them to anything. 
like whatever position you and I to change our minds about the things that we, the way we see life and the way we want, the way we desire to show up now, something had to like do that for right. us. So whatever that conduit was, whatever that vessel was, when I'm thinking about my friends and family in Mississippi, I'm always saying like whatever oxygen that I inhaled at that time when I realized that there was something else and I, and I was no longer afraid to go mm. after it. I hope the same things happen for my family because I don't want to, I think the the distrust and the judgment of who we are when we deeply desire for our families and our friends to grow and evolve is constantly reminding them from us that they're not where right. they should be. That's why they can't mm. hear it. And I don't know if you and I could hear it if someone was constantly telling us, even when we're striving to do our best, that that best is right. not good enough. Since you have been, like, reclaiming, you know, your time in the midst of all of this, um, how, like, how do you start your days and end your nights? Uh, good good question. I have been reclaiming my time. Thank you, Auntie <laughs> for that. Um <laughs> I've been reclaiming my time by making sure. These are things that I did before um, as far as my morning practices. There's not a day that I do not wake up and pray first. It's before I get out of bed, before I, like, tune into the world. When my eyes open, I'm like, God, thank you. I'm here again. Um, and But in that prayer, though, I'm asking that I can be – that I can hear whatever I'm supposed to hear and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and that I'm not being led by any external factors. Mm. So that's a prayer every day. Like, I, let me be moved in the way I'm supposed to move, but not moving by an external factor because those external factors to me is what make us feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough, I'm not right. being enough, and want to be a part of everything. So praying and when I finally um, get up every morning, I go to my window, I give my, my glass of water, and very quietly um, drinking my water every day. Um, d- depending on the morning, I may go ahead and go outside and ride my bike. Or other mornings, I just sit down and journal. But what I don't do is pick up my phone um, because I don't want to be distracted from what I'm supposed to hear right. that morning. Um, I make sure I'm mindful of what foods I'm eating. I will say that I probably eat a little bit later um, because I do understand in the time that we rested, in the time that we eat, we'll be literally breaking the fast that we've been on. Um, so I'm very mindful of whatever that first, the way that I'm going to break the fast from last night, what am mm. I putting into my body? So in the morning, I'm very intentional. Like, is it going to be a grapefruit? Um, is it going to be a banana? Is it going to be what am I putting in into my body? Am I eating simply due to feeling a hunger, or or am I eating to make sure my body is nourished mm-hmm. for the day? Those are the conscious questions that I ask about breakfast. Now, listen, sometimes I am not always this balanced. I've been at home for six weeks, so I can I I can be more <laughs> balanced in this way. But but since I'm home every day, these are the things that I'm thinking about. Like, why? what are you eating first? What are you reading first? And normally by 1030, 10 o'clock, my workday starts, and it's crazy, until 530, mm-hmm. 6 o'clock. 
I make sure that I shut off today at 6, 6.30. I go outside for another another walk, or I sit out in the sun. No electronics. I may bring my journal so I can do some journaling, or I'm just sitting out there being quiet so I can kind of get the day off me so I can transition my body to the next wave of right. the day. And for me, that is getting to recovery. I'm put because in in the evening time, our body is getting ready to rest. So I make sure that my environment is set up mm. for rest. Um, yeah, and I eat dinner every day before seven o'clock. Um, that's a practice that I broke maybe like five or six months ago. But that's a practice that I had for years that I'm happy that mm-hmm. I got back again. So before 7, I would have had dinner. And I make sure whatever that dinner is is filled with vegetables um, that I'm hydrating again. Um, in the evening time, I'm not a big television watcher. I do watch it. My television is off by 830. I've quieted my home. My lights are low. My candles are lit. I either have my book or my journal or my audio book mm-hmm. or my podcast, and I'm in in my, my zen space. Uh, all my friends know that they have to talk to me before then because after <laughs> 830, my, I really switch my body to the place of like, hey, it's time for us to rest. And when I rest in a way, in the way that I speak to myself, is that I'm hoping I'm making space for my body to really rest and heal so we can be stronger mm-hmm. the next day. Yeah, so I could be more sharp the next day. So my rest to me is restorative. I love that. I love that you use the the word recovery um, in terms of like preparing yourself. You know, in terms of um, winding down at night. I know I've 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 done pretty well at mastering like the morning, but it was like I was doing the morning, but then I was I stopped and was like, wait, like I don't have a routine for winding myself down at night. I kind of just go into like whatever I'm doing throughout my day, and then okay, now it's time to go to sleep. Like there's no transitional period and I realized that (laughs) that has been affecting my quality um asleep to where it doesn't matter what time I go to sleep if I didn't have you know if I don't have cultivate that that transition to you know prepare myself to recover you know so I love that you said that yes I was doing the same thing though I was running and going and going and going and then even when I would try to rest my mind was still Mm. in dream state still thinking about the day so we're not yeah, we're not fully resting. Another thing that I added so I can get my brain to turn off, I don't really think about for the next day all the things mm-hmm. I didn't accomplish. My gratitude journal is when I, when I tell you I'm sitting outside with my journal, I'm doing gratitude for the things right. that I accomplished for that day. Because I am a, a Scorpio. I will literally stick, be stuck on <laughs> one thing. It could have been 20 great things. But that whatever that 21st thing was is what I used to obsess over. And you have to right. know yourself. You have to know your advice. And because I realized that I would obsess over minute things, I've, I've learned to know obsession. We'll work on it tomorrow. But today, we're going to celebrate right. what was done. Yes, I love that. Yeah, as a, a Virgo mm-hmm. sign and Scorpio moon, like I have that double time, like that obsession. <laughs> so I have to like do go into like overdrive to really like – make myself to find you know because yeah to find to be grateful and to know like okay you did the best that you can and not always constantly feel like I can do better or be more and you know things like that it makes us crazy it makes us successful 
But at the same time, it's hard for us to be pleased mm-hmm. with other people. And it's hard for people, the, the work that they do, for us to be able to say, oh, yeah, you th- that was good. We're right, always searching yeah. because we do it within ourselves. Like, how could it have been yeah. better? Love the village market. Um when everything was going on, like at the beginning of like this pandemic kind of like brewing and when people start realizing like, okay, this is like a thing. I saw that you guys transitioned very quickly and I was excited about it, especially being someone who like loves marketing and branding. How did you guys, you know, get, how did you and your team get to that conclusion? Like to, to be able to act so quickly. When I think it was when the NBA Mm. canceled the season, I recall an executive team meeting, and I was like, y'all, this is serious. Um, this is more serious right. than we can fathom. Because if you remember at that time, right before the NBA canceled the season, um, um, the president was right. still saying, oh, it's just a little flu. Oh, yeah, you need to just stay at home one or two days. And then the NBA canceled the season. And it's very transparently, I told my team, I never remember a time in history when white men were comfortable with exactly, not yeah. making money. So because the NBA is an industry. So the fact that they will cancel their entire season, something that is a economic vehicle, when they make that choice, this is something that, of course, we don't have enough access to wealth mm-hmm. to even know what conversations have happened months ago. So it didn't. I didn't allow us to postulate right. over that. I told my team that we're not having the village market in that what we were not going to do, though, was have a message of cancel because by that time, I knew within the next week or the week after that, I knew that these small businesses would have gotten so many cancellation notices that it would have put their put them in turmoil in a sense right. for how they're going to survive. So that's what I shared with my team. I was like, so we're going to cancel. But we're, we're not going to call it that because we're going to have a response. We're going to have a resolve. And even my team was like, Doc, <laughs> what, what you about to have us do? And, <laughs> and I said, we're going to pivot and we're going to go digital. Now, what that meant was we had two weeks to build a platform from scratch. So we didn't do any, like, templates or anything like that. We, I had to get my, my developers out of California fully on board and get my team in Atlanta fully on board because to build something in two weeks that typically takes us, takes any company about six months to build, to build that was around the clock we were working to get this done. Um, but I really wanted to show symbolically, not just mm-hmm. talk about a pivot, but to show what happens, to show the community that a village can pivot, that there are things that are, that, we don't know what uh, what this pandemic was going to bring, but what we were not going to do mm-hmm. was stop supporting black businesses. So if that meant my team would have to work around the clock, well, we were going to do it because we are built for it. And another thing that I made an executive decision on is that I had my graphics um, woman mm-hmm. to just go ahead and make the flyer. I was like, make it, we're putting it out. Because <laughs> Scorpio energy... <laughs> If we say we're going to do something, mm-hmm. we're going to do it. And so from that day that the flyer went out, that happened the morning that the morning after I told my team that we were not going to have a village market. 
So it was no in-between time. We put it out in the community, and we had to work literally around the clock to make sure that we, like you said, were the first ones to show what a pivot could be um, and how you can still, no matter what, if you have community working, everybody working in right. tandem, things can get done. And I was very proud of us. I, was very, I have an incredible team. So I uh, sometimes I have no idea how I got these amazing people who, just, who would just jump out of a plane with me. And they jump out of the plane with me, and I, what I realized is they really trust that <laughs> right. our parachute is going to open. And nothing, there's nothing that I've been able to do has I'm able to do it because I have great people who really believe in these visions that I have in my mind. But making that two-week pivot was extremely hard. It was very stressful um, on the team. And to be the first, to right. one of the first to make the pivot, we didn't have anyone to model afterwards. So, we, like, whatever we did was going to be the first time it's being done, like, as, as right. far as in our community and with the pandemic. Yeah, so we didn't we didn't have any other like other people to go first, and then we can perfect what they did. We we just decided it was like okay, we'll go first. And the good thing after this, uh, for other people who have markets and events, right. they can perfect what we have done. But I never I'm, I never I'm never afraid to go first. I'm never, and I'm also not afraid to fail mm. because I go first. But I don't expect failure at all. There is nothing that I put my mind and my effort behind that I even have a carnal thought of failing is an option at it. So because of that, I work every possible angle of thinking about what is the worst-case scenario, what is the worst-case scenario, and that obsessive personality to want things to Mm -hmm. be at its best of the best, I believe is why I, I just... Decide to jump out of planes all the time. Wow. I, yeah, I, I can't. We cannot, right. even if you're afraid, jump anyway. That's how I see it. Mm. Yeah. Community seems to be like you know, in a team, like it, it seems to be like really, really important to you. Like, why is that? Oh, because it's. Mm. I mean, it's a part of our existence. You know, remember at the top of the call when when I talked about right. that we're in community with nature. There's nothing as people, even those who talk about being self-made, even those who are, <laughs> I'm a loner, believe it or not, I am such a loner and such an introvert mm. at times. I can turn it on and turn it off. But I know that on my some of my absolute worst moments in life, I look around, how did I get out of those worst moments? I can start seeing mm. people around me. Right? When I think about how did I get the village market to build, I think about all the people who come who've assisted in helping me build the village. I think about some of the best trips I've taken in life. I'm looking around and I'm seeing the face of my best friend. I'm thinking about those horrible moments, like when my mother died, and looking over at the funeral, and my best friend just kept looking at me and my other friends mm. just kept looking at me, I can see their faces. So it doesn't matter what occurrence has happened in my life, even in the, as much as I love solitude, I always see people. 
I've always seen people who have nurtured me back to life, who've also helped me build the visions that I see. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who have spoken over me. I've seen people who wanted right. to also work against. But no matter what, there was always community in the space. We are not meant to occupy and build and do things alone. I think in the long time is where we start to really make sure that we're grounded. So whomever is in community with us, we can start asking ourselves the question, why are they here? Why do we want them here? What am Mm -hmm. I giving to them? What are they giving to me? Because I think that has to be the invitation to community, community as friends, community as family. Because if if we're not giving something to them and they're not giving something to us, then what are we doing? And it doesn't have to be tangible, physical things. If you are in space with someone who genuinely loves you and want you to do well, they're just as, as important as that person who invests in your company and help you scale because they're both helping you scale, period. So, yeah, community mm-hmm. is everything to me. And, what, of course, what I would say, the village is everything to me. Because I know that our greatest existence happens when we are working on one accord and in, right. and, and in moments in discord together. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the, the things I really love about, you know, your platform and everything. Because I think it's one one thing to, like, say, like, oh, yeah, community, tribe, we're all in this together. And it's another it's another thing to actually do that and be in that, you know. And I think that that's cool that you, you know, you do that and you show up for people and you have people that show up for you. Yeah. What would you say brings you the most joy these days? Oh, good, good question. That made me smile. So one of the, a lot of things that bring me joy, one of the things that really just tapping into my heart every day is doing these virtual <laughs> classes with my four-year-old nephew. One, <laughs> this little fella, one day he's under the table. The next day he is present and want to learn. Other days he does not want to see auntie because he is not interested in learning. But to see him every day and to be mm-hmm. one of his teachers now, that brings me so much joy. And he may never remember when he was four and almost five that he and his auntie <laughs> literally had school every day, Monday through Friday. But this is something I would never forget, being able to see mm-hmm. the aha moments for my nephew. And when he learned words and then we're reading a book and I and I won't say a certain, a certain word that I know he knows <laughs> and to see him scream at the word because he knows he know what the word is now that brings me so much so much joy and if I was still as busy as I was I wouldn't have the honor of being a part of like his active learning and other things that bring me joy is getting out and riding my bike for miles and miles and miles and there's always some part of my ride that mm. I'm saying, God, thank you. And it's not something so great happened today. I'm just so thankful to, even in the mix of, the, of, of a crisis, to find a place of peace. And I've learned to just, mm. when I feel it, to say thank you for it. Even if that thank you comes repetitively over and over and over and over and over. I say it, and 
I'm just riding my bike around Atlanta just smiling because I'm just so grateful that in the midst of a crisis that peace can still be generated. Um, Yeah. And I've enjoyed watching my friends, some from afar. It's been so cool to see them when I know it Mm -hmm. has been hard for them to make pivots, to see them do it. Like I have some, I have a very good friend, very good colleague who is very shy, and mm-hmm. I've been seeing her doing her live mm-hmm. videos. And I know it takes all of her to come into that space and do that. It is not. It is <laughs> truly. It, it goes against who she is in a way. But the joy of seeing my friend step and climb outside of her insecurities mm-hmm. and her fears and then imposter syndrome of not being enough in spaces. The audacity to go live and to be critiqued and to say, well, I'm going mm. to do this. It brings me so much joy. I love that. Um, I wanted to end on like a fun note. Um, I've been seeing this on on um, social media. And I don't know if you've seen like the meme and it's telling you to like describe yourself using three um, musicians. Oh, very, okay. very good. So Jay-Z, number one. He is my favorite, favorite rapper <laughs> hands down. And most days I think I am Jay-Z. Um, <laughs> second uh, favorite um, musician singer would be Whitney Houston. Love her. Um, and then last, um, these two violinists actually. Um, oh, I think I think I think it's Black Violin or something like that. But those are my top three. Um, Jay-Z, because I think that he carved out space and time, and mm. he literally made poetry into rap. I think it's incredible, and I think he's a great businessman. Whitney Houston, because I truly believe that she never allowed her her voice to be something. Like she, Every song that she decided to sing, mm. sing, she put her whole self into it. And I try and I aspire to do all of my work the same way. That every right. time she dropped a hit, it was like, oh, she can't beat that. Then the next one would come out. Um, and then Black Violin, to see two brothers take an instrument that historically we wouldn't be mm. in the history books for that and to own that space and to make it theirs, I, it, how inspiring is that? First, follow the Village Market. Check out my Village first. That's the Village Market ATL on all platforms. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Dr. Key Hallman, D-R-K-E-Y-H-A-L-L-M-O-N. One move starts the motion, from ripples to the ocean, you can find you with